Hi everyone, this is Christiane Brock, and I am grateful to be your host today and every day. Join me here on the Less Stressed Vet Podcast. This is where I'll be sharing tools to create a more sustainable career, where we can excel as veterinary care workers without sacrificing our health, happiness, and well-being to rediscover your passion inside and outside of vet med. Let's get to it. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to another week of the Less Dressed Vet podcast. And I wanted to welcome you and I wanted to dive in to a topic that's a struggle for me. I'll be completely honest. This podcast started with the end in mind as far as creating conversation around support for you know everyday issues that we face as veterinary care workers. And I know just from talking amongst just people in this field, as well as on online forums and Facebook groups, that a lot of us deal with anxiety. You know, you're not alone. This is a this is a disorder that affects a lot of Americans. It does affect people around the world. But as far as I know, anxiety affects 3% of the US population, okay? And that might not sound like a lot, so 3 out of 100 people. But keep in mind that that's 6.8 million people in America are affected by some sort of anxiety disorder. And this is all the while that this topic is still sort of taboo. Like people don't really talk about it. Um, In our field, it's becoming at least conversed about to some degree because we do have you know, a suicide problem. We have mental health issues within the veterinary world. Um, and, and a lot of people are talking about it, but what are we going to do about it? I still feel like we're in the early ages of establishing wellness and well-being programs within the veterinary world. We're still in the early ages of, you know, educating the public about the challenges of veterinary care work. But, you know, it's still, it's still a topic that's of talk. And while the tide is changing, there's still a lot of work to be done. And so if you are listening to this podcast, you know, share this with someone that might be struggling. Share this with, with anybody within the veterinary field. The more we talk about it, the more we can find solutions. Because the solution for me is going to be very different for a solution for you. And the more we talk about it in the ways that we cope, then that's going to help somebody else, you know, that might relate to your story or that might relate to your situation. So let's keep talking about it. Let's keep finding solutions together. You know, it's, it takes a village, it takes a community to, to realize that veterinary medicine as we know it um, needs to evolve and it is evolving and i'm i'm proud of that you know i've been in this field since i was 16 years old 
and I've seen it evolve. Um, but I also feel like we are in an era where there are a lot of stressors and, you know, COVID didn't help um, the veterinary world by any means. Um, we, we need to move forward and keep evolving, keep being open to evolving. So I digress. So for people that may not relate or not recognize that they are having anxiety, well, what, what does that really mean? Okay. And so this, this podcast directly, um, or will talk a little bit more about a specific phenomena that happens to me. It's what I'm most familiar with, but I do have some generalized anxiety. Okay. But I find that at times my morning anxiety is worse. And this typically correlates with a little bit of insomnia. Now I'm an early riser. I have conditioned myself to where I go to sleep very early at night and then I get up early and that's a normal rhythm for me. Um, I'm a 4, 4.30 a.m. waker upper. Yeah. And that sounds kind of crazy to a lot of you, but when I actually have anxiety, it's common, or I should say, it's common on those days where I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety to wake up at like 2 a.m. Sometimes it's even earlier at like 1.30 and I just cannot get back to sleep. And it's more often than not that I actually sleep until 4 or 4.30 and feel good with energy. But when those mornings happen where I'm waking up at 1.30 2 a.m. and I cannot get back to sleep and I'm tossing and turning, I pay for it. Like the next 24 to 36 hours, I feel like a zombie. It's not fun. It's terrible. And so I found ways to help me cope with it um, and to make sure that these days are far and few between rather than the norm. But when they, they still creep up on me once in a while and I have to try to break that cycle and make it back to baseline. So that's what the, the topic is today. So morning anxiety, why do you wake up that way? And what can you do about it to get back to baseline? Because ultimately we're here to serve as veterinary care workers. We want to make a difference, but how big of a difference and how effective are you going to be if you are tired as all get out, right? Like if you're super tired and there's no gas in your tank, you're not going to be making as good of clinical decisions. You're going to be more likely to make mistakes. Um, you are not going to be able to see as many cases. You, you'll be less motivated to see as many cases. So um, let's dive in. Okay. So like I said, 6.8 million people battle anxiety in America. That's 3% of the U.S. population. It affects women twice as much as men, and it often cohabitates with depression. So if you are an anxious person, you are more likely to be depressed. And if you're depressed, you're more likely to be anxious. It's kind of one of those vicious cycles. So for those of you who may not identify with uh, feelings of anxiety um, or having an anxiety disorder, you can certainly have feelings of anxiety and that's totally normal um, here and there. But when it's a chronic issue and it's been going on for longer than six months, that te 
technically puts you into a category of having a generalized anxiety disorder. So what, what do you actually feel and what are the clinical signs that are associated with anxiety? So this comes from the National, of, uh, the National Institute of Mental Health. So this can include feelings of restlessness, being wound up or on edge. You can have feelings of irritability, fatigue. You can have a tight chest, and actually feel like you're going into a panic. You can have a rapid heart rate and rapid respiratory rate with difficulty. You may also find difficulty concentrating, finding that your mind blanks out. The other and last clinical sign is that you just have the feeling of like loss of control and you're just very, very nervous. So just know that at least in the morning, it is a normal biological response for your body to produce more cortisol, okay? So the normal cycle in your body for hormonal release of cortisol is to spike in the morning. And that is what gets you out of bed. Um, you know, you have to like get up, get going. And so it's a natural hormonal response to boost your energy by producing cortisol. Now, that boost in cortisol, unfortunately, for some people, if you have anxiety disorder, that might mean that you're going to have a predisposition to feeling feelings of anxiety. And I do experience this. So, so it's interesting to me that, you know, there are hormones at play. And, you know, some of this is in your mind as far as, you know, the anxiety and things like that. But there is a physiological basis. There's a reason for your anxiety to kind of rear its ugly head in the morning. That's all I'm getting at. It's not just completely in your head. There's, there are things that need to be worked on in your head, but there is other factors at play. Okay. And so being coached through a lot of this has helped me significantly. And one thing my coach told me, um, and this person has dealt with you know, um, anxiety disorders and, and, and depression and things like that. But he once told me through, um, you know, while I confided in him about my issues, he said, you know, it's okay to wake up that way. Like, you're not supposed to suppress those things. Like, you have to recognize, yes, I woke up this way. This is how I'm feeling. But it should also be in our individual interest to learn ways to get back to baseline. So, you know, you have things to do, dreams to go after, goals to meet. And if you're living in a state of anxiety, as I have in the past, it paralyzes you. Like nothing's worse than treading water in your life and just feeling captive. Um, you are a professional. You got through, you know, the, any amount of schooling to become a veterinary technician, to become a veterinary assistant, to become a veterinarian, okay? You're a very bright, smart individual. You can make it through a lot of things. You're, you're capable, okay? But even the most capable person can be paralyzed by fear 
and can feel like they're trapped. And that is where I want to introduce some, some things or some ways to help reframe some of your anxiety as well as help guide you to some other other habits you can build to to help with your baseline anxiety so number one is mindfulness okay there's a lot of talk about mindfulness and meditation and it's not this woo woo thing um there are mri studies and there are you know, studies that look at meditation and how it has a positive effect on even your bodily functions and the way your mind works and the way your brain functions. Now, you're not going to be good at this right away. Most people think, you know, meditation is boring. You're going to have to sit there. You're going to fidget. You're going to fail. And failing is the whole point. So when I was introduced to meditation, it was described to me as a muscle of your mind. And this is where you're going to let your mind focus and then your mind is going to drift. That is a normal habit for your mind to do. It just does that. But the where it really matters is when you realize that your mind has drifted and you refocus. That's where the exercise is. That's where the the muscle is, okay, can you look at your thoughts running away from you and then observe them and realize that's something that you have done? And then can you sit back into your present moment, like ground yourself and watch your thoughts flow by? It sounds like a weird like third person thing. I admit it is it's strange. But people that can control their mind and flex that mind muscle have the ability to ruminate less and have less anxious thoughts. So like I said, you're not going to be as good at this as you think you might be, or you might already know that you're going to suck at it, and that's okay. You have to start somewhere. So two apps that I would recommend um, that you start with to start to build this muscle are Number one, Calm, my favorite app. This is what I've used for the last three years. Um, I have a lifetime subscription, like I believe in it that much. And then Headspace. So I, I started with that a while ago. They have meditations that are as short as a couple of minutes long. So like, let's say you haven't meditated ever, right? Your mind muscle is atrophied, it's not working you have to start with a one pound weight, right? Start with a one minute meditation. Just start there and build that habit and build that skill. That's going to help. Now, something that I've talked about in the past is getting your thoughts out before bedtime. Um, I've talked about this in a previous podcast, but I'm a worrier by nature. So sometimes how you go to bed will determine the state that you wake up in. So I'm a person that has intrusive thoughts. I think about all the things I have to get done and I worry about them. And then I worry about forgetting to do them the next day. So I find if I have a notebook right by my bed, then I tend to be more likely to jot down what I was grateful for that day. But 
I also like write a quick to-do list of the things that I know I need to get done, that I want to get done, and that I'm excited to get done, and I write all that down. And so it's like a way for me to expel all those thoughts so that I can get to bed and get to resting. So that's something you can practice with. It may not work for everyone, but something that helps me. The other thing that I want to just touch on really quick is to not take your thoughts and just turn them all to positive thoughts, okay? That's not what this is about. It's recognizing where you are, where you're uncomfortable, and not ignoring them, not suppressing them, recognizing that they're there, but being able to reframe them and then also to pivot, okay? So I might wake up like really stressed out about uh, a case that I'm seeing that day. And then I will tell myself, okay, I know you're stressed about this, but how many Mondays have you not survived um, at work? Zero. And so that's a, a good way to reframe it. And it's not this weird, like, don't worry, you got it, you know, sort of a thing. It's like, it's, it's a way to reframe your thoughts and your perception of how the day is going to go. So... I want to switch gears and talk about a few ways to kind of burn off some of that that anxiety. Um, sometimes not sleeping well has to do with some of the things that we do throughout the day that makes us not rest well. And if we don't rest well, then we wake up anxious, okay? So one of the things that I wanted to touch on are our caffeine intake and our sugar intake. And the... I take in caffeine every day, okay? I need it to jumpstart my morning, but too much caffeine can actually send you into a little bit of a tailspin. It's too stimulating. So curb the amount of caffeine that you're taking in. As I've talked about in the previous podcast, I usually try to get in all my caffeine by eight o'clock. And I notice if I have a caffeine curfew that I tend to get to rest um, or I get to bed earlier and then I rest better. So that's a little tip from the trenches, but sugar. So sugar is basically something that can trigger anxiety either when it's too high and you're crashing um, and you're going up and down with the amount of sugar that you're consuming, okay? You can also have anxiety just by being really low in blood sugar. And typically, our blood sugar will be lowest right before we wake up. So that might be part of the anxiety trigger for the day. So make sure you get some protein in um, earlier in the day with your meals. And also just make sure that you have maybe not processed sugar. Like you can have fruit. You can have foods that have you know, basically carbohydrate that's slowly released into your bloodstream, but don't intake that sugary caffeinated drink or a sugary snack, like a, like a cookie or a muffin. Like those are going to do little to curb your, your highs and your lows for your blood sugar. And your emotions are going to be doing the same thing is basically, you know, everyone knows about getting hangry. Um, because your blood sugar gets low and you get frustrated and, and your emotions go with it. So think of your blood sugar wanting to be like 
a lake. You want it to be slow and steady. Uh, you don't want it to be like a beach during a surf competition where it's high and low and you're all over the place. You definitely want to be on a placid lake throughout the day. Other things you can do are formal exercise or just stretching. Um, getting your body moving is going to burn off some of that extra energy. And one of my favorites I don't do as often as I would like is to dance it out. Some people don't like true exercise, but they don't mind just moving around to some good music. So that will increase endorphins that you're releasing in your body, which are feel-good hormone, and then will also help burn off some of that anxiety. And then the other uh, or last topic that you can do for your physical health that will help your anxiety is to meal prep. Okay, so this goes hand in hand with making sure you get good nutrition to eat. So if you can meal prep either in the night before or um, the morning of, you're less likely to reach for the cookie jar or snacks that people have brought or um, you know, ordering fast food, which basically usually contains tons of unnecessary sugar in your food okay so i always try to tell people um, i was guilty of that i had a period in my life where i was living on takeout and you have to remember these restaurants are in it to have you keep coming back to eat their food so they load it with great tasting um sugar and oils uh, because they they they're they taste so great um, on your palate. So, you know, all of that to say, you know, there are some things you can do mind-wise, there are things that you can do physically, but as a bonus tip, and we're just a little over 20 minutes, um, Entree MD is a podcast that I listen to, and she talks about Podcast University. So, what she means by this is podcasts are a great way to get information um, while you're on the move, you know, while you're doing chores. So you, you could be doing chores in your home or on your way to work or, or things like that. And a lot of times you can take gold nuggets from these podcasts. You can learn something. Personal development is really key into bettering yourself and getting refocused on your dreams and being inspired. So Podcast University means get in your car and attend Podcast University on your way to work. When you are most alert, when you are more open to learning, um, on your way home, you know, listen to your Spotify list or whatever. But Podcast University is a good way to incorporate a daily habit. So for me, it's a 20-minute commute to work. Um, and I'll attend Podcast University on the way to work. And sometimes I'll do it on the way home, unless if I want to ride home in complete silence or um, want to listen to my favorite music. So just remember, when we talk about anxiety disorder in our patients, like in dogs and cats, right? You can sling medication at them, but unless if you're taking care of exercise, if unless if you're taking care of that cognitive behavioral therapy, like you're not going to get far. Like how many dogs have you put on fluoxetine with it only to work temporarily 
but not benefit the patient in the long run, right? So just like them, um, we need more than just a, just a pill. And if you are in need of help, just make sure you seek professional help. Um, I know there's, there's a stigma around it to some degree and it can get expensive, but living your life scared and anxious is not quality of life. I know I've, I've been living with it for years, but I've found some things that work for me and still I'm a work in progress every day. Okay. And if you're ever feeling overwhelmed to the point where you feel like you can't go on, please call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. That phone number is 988 or you can call 1-800-273-TALK, which is 1-800-273-8255. So I just want to reiterate that I'm here for you guys. I hope you took some good nuggets from this podcast. Let me know if you have any other um, habits that help you with your anxiety, that help return you back to baseline. The more we keep talking about it, looking for solutions and helping each other, you know, the better we're off. So I leave you today with positive energy and positive thoughts and hope that you know, we just keep evolving and let me know if you need anything. Have a great rest of the day. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Less Stress Vet Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and please share this episode with a friend who might benefit from it. If you have any feedback, questions, or topics you might want to know about, don't hesitate. Email me at lessstressvet at gmail.com. And always remember, be yourself, be better, and always be kind.